what is going on down in LA? We have State of the Franchise LA Kings uh, with Eddie from Locked on Kings, where we discuss um, what's up with the Kings. Are they ready to make that jump? Is it their rebuild complete? Are we ready to make that jump? And if Quentin Byfeld's ready to kind of be the guy for the Kings? So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to a lot on the premier hockey podcast covering your favorite team in the Bay Area. My name is JD Young, contributor inside the rink. I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks your first listen, probably a part of the Locked On Network. We cover your team every day or at least three days a week right now as we are continue to be in off-season mode. Um, if you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do is follow wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. And Eddie Garcia from Locked on Kings joins where we continue our state of the franchise and kind of what's going on with this Kings team. And, you know, they've made the playoffs the past two seasons, but have been bounced in the first round by the Edmonton Oilers. And this is the year they can kind of make a deep run. Uh, We talk about the goaltending question. um, And if they, they have the guy with some questions or some answers there, or if there's going to be more questions for the Kings going forward. Um, So, Let's get into it with our friend Eddie from Locked on Kings. And now we bring on Eddie Garcia of Locked on Kings. Eddie, long time, no speak. <laughs> Spoiler, we just recorded like two minutes ago uh, for your show. So, Eddie, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> you know what? It's going really great. I really, uh, really good to see you again. <laughs> you took that time, reflect, became a better person. Uh, as good of a person as you can be for being a Kings fan, but... We will let that slide. So we're going to continue our state of the franchise um, with the LA Kings. And right now, what are the LA Kings? Give us the state of the Kings right now. Well, I I think the state of the Kings is pretty good uh, at the moment. Uh, It was not all that long ago that the Kings were in a similar position to your San Jose Sharks as they are at the moment. Uh, Kings are looking to rebuild. um, But I think uh, GM Rob Blake has done a very good job uh, maybe having the team a little bit more ahead of schedule than we thought that they would be. I think two years ago, them making the playoffs was a bit unexpected for a lot of people. I think, uh, you know, last year was the year we were kind of targeting for the Kings to be in the playoffs and they were a playoff Mm -hmm. team again. Uh, Unfortunately, they've had two first round exits against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, But I certainly think that they're a playoff team again. Um, And I think they're in a position right now to be a uh, pretty competitive playoff team now and in the near future. Um, Rob Blake has not been shy about making some bold moves, making some unpopular moves, mm-hmm. uh, with the trading of Jonathan quick that a lot of people in the fan base were very upset about, but he thought, uh, it was what was best for the, for the team. And it was. And so you, you, sometimes you have to make unpopular trades and take those arrows. He did. And then obviously the big trade this off season for Pierre-Luc Dubois was something a lot of people, including myself did not see coming. Um, but I like a, G- a GM that is willing to be bold, uh, think a little bit, maybe outside the box go for it without mortgaging the future completely. Obviously, um, you know, the Kings have been able to stockpile assets and part of the rationale for doing that is to use them to improve the team. Not always are you just growing from within. It has to, you know, you use those assets to bring in other components as well. And they've certainly have done that over the last few years. 
Uh, a couple of years ago, it was, you know, Victor Arvidsson and Philip Deneau. Last year, Kevin Fiala. And now this year, Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I like the direction of the franchise. Um, you know, like I said, I think they're still a playoff team. There's still some some core players on the roster, but the majority of the roster is 30 and under. Uh, the only two players that are over 30 are, are, are Andre Kopitar and Drew Doughty. So you're two, two of your pillars of your franchise. Yes. Um, the, the farm team has been depleted a little. The farm system has been depleted a little bit to try and make the team more of a contender, but I think that's certainly understandable and acceptable. Um, there's still some young talent, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in this episode. The Kings are looking forward to take a step up. But overall, I think ownership, which is a pretty hands-off ownership group, they are they are comfortable letting Rob Blake and, and Luke Robitaille, the team president, run the team. I think they're happy with the direction of the team. And I think the fan base is generally pretty happy with where they are right now, too. So I think the state of the franchise is pretty good at the moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned some of the big moves, right? Rob Blake has been aggressive in trying to acquire quality talent. You mentioned, you know, the pair Luke Dubois trade uh, last year, Kevin Fiala. I think that's good, right? Adding, you, they saw they were maybe a little bit of ahead of schedule, but like he wasn't trying to kind of, he was like, okay, we're ahead of schedule. Let's just keep going with this thing and see where it's going to go. Um, I, I I like an aggressive GM like that. And like you said, the, they've been stockpiling all this talent. That's what it's there for, right? They're, you're either going yeah. to do something, they're either going to play for you, or you're going to try to make your team better in any way possible. Um, what do you think was the biggest kind of underlying story uh for for the team this summer and has it been resolved well it depends on your definition of what resolved is um <laughs> I, now i thought the two biggest uh issues for the kings going to the offseason was number one if you re-sign Vladislav gavrikov uh to be your second pairing left shot defenseman or if you can't resign him get somebody that can fill that role uh, and number two was to figure out what the goaltending is going to be for next season and for the future. Well, lo and behold, they decide, well, we're not going to do that. Um, well, they did do that, but they, they went out and they made this Pierre-Luc Dubois trade because they thought they needed to be stronger down the center to compete with the Vegases and the Edmontons. Uh, and certainly that wasn't necessarily what we all thought was going to be the priority, mm -hmm. but I do like the move. I, I'm going to give Rob Blake the benefit of the doubt, and I see what he's trying to do. That said, the goaltending. Has it been resolved? I guess in the moment it's been resolved. There's names there. <laughs> uh, at the end of the season, the Kings had two goalies under contract in the entire organization. Uh, that was Phoenix Copley yep. and um, Eric Portillo, who they picked up in a trade with Buffalo out of the University of Michigan, who they hope might be the goalie of the future. Other than that, they didn't have anything else. So they go out and they sign Cam Talbot. They go out and they sign David Riddich. Uh, so you've got a couple of veteran guys that can come in. I think they look at Talbot and hope that he can regain the form that he had two years ago in Minnesota where he led him to the playoffs and then they bring in Marc-Andre Fleury and say, thanks, now, now sit on the bench. He wasn't very good in Ottawa last year, but neither nope. was Ottawa. So maybe he's back in a better situation, but he is 36 years old. Phoenix Copley, uh, you know, you talk about the goalie situation going into last year. It was Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. So those two guys are both gone. Uh, Phoenix Copley came out of nowhere, and while his yeah. goals against and save percentage weren't phenomenal, they were good enough, and his win percentage was fantastic, which is ultimately what you you know what you want the most. Uh, so he's still there, um, but that's it, it. Like I said, it's been resolved at the moment, but that could change. Um, but they're going with a couple of veteran guys. I think the philosophy is, and and maybe we're seeing a trend of this in the NHL. Um, you know, the Igor Shosturkins and those types of guys are, you know, they're not everywhere. Yep. Most teams are going to have to go with a 1A and a 1B. 
find guys that can get the job done and build around them. And I think that's what the Vegas Golden Knights did this past year. Uh, and I think the LA Kings are looking to kind of go that direction as well. Um, they had Corpus Allo in, in building in, you know, and he played, I thought he played well for them down the stretch. You look at, especially his, his analytics. Um, I mean, he had a pretty solid season. even playing in Columbus, which was terrible, a terrible team this year. Was there really just, it never worked out money wise, or, I mean, I know the money, the, the Kings have kind of spent money elsewhere. So they're trying to maybe go a little cheaper with in the goal situation. Is that you think just the money never matched up between the two parties? Yeah, I mean, Corpus Solo got a pretty big deal with Ottawa. Uh, the Kings were never going to match that. And it's funny, you look, I mentioned the Kings goaltending going into last season. Uh, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick were making over $10 million. Uh, now you've got two goalies barely making over two. It's like, so, yeah, 2.5. I'm looking at yeah, that failure right now. It's 2.5. Yeah. So it's a vast difference in where the dollars are going as far as that position. And the Kings are certainly much better off because of that. And I don't think, if you look in net, what was what's the situation now compared to what they were paying for at the beginning of last year it's much better now and the quality of play is probably better probably as well same. right so yeah, it's, it's a win-win there yeah yeah i mean uh they were winning despite the goaltending last year for a good chunk of the season and you yeah if if the kings could get like averages goalies this year i think that that'd be a huge win especially if you're only paying two and a half million dollars for your combined uh your everybody in net there so and i um, think with with carrie price being hurt I think they had the highest paid tandem in the NHL going into last year, which you're like, oh my God, that's insane. Uh, I think Martin Jones' cap hit is more uh, than what the Kings are play, paying the goal, <laughs> paying them for their goalies right now. <laughs> Martin Jones oh. said cap hit. I gotta, I'm gonna check this really quick right now, but I'm like, or maybe, I'm, or maybe you don't want to. Maybe you don't uh, want to I, open I, that it's, box. <laughs> it's all dead money. It's none of it matters. Uh, Martin Jones' cap hit this year 2.916 million. So, yes, uh, Martin Jones uh, making more than the to not play for the Sharks anymore. Former so, King Great, former King Great, Martin. former King great yes uh he had he had a very nice season with seattle last year so uh i'll give him that but um and he does have a, a very cute uh child as well so all right guys before we continue with eddie uh we get into their off season with the kings we of course you know the pair luke dubois trade uh we talk about their draft um you know just everything that happened this off season do need to take a quick break talk to you guys about our friends over at FanDuel and. NFL season is almost here. And if you want to get ready for the NFL season, FanDuel is the way to go. They're America's number one sports book because right now, new customers can get $5. When they bet $5, they get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. So if you're like me and your favorite team maybe is over in Miami, personally or if you're a fan of like the packers or you know the giants or whichever team and you don't get their local games and you youtube uh the nfl sunday ticket on youtube is the way to go because you can watch all of their games so you get a hundred dollars off when you bet five dollars on uh fandle now's the best time to join fandle because the app is super easy to use you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more so visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's let's get into kind of the offseason for the Kings. Um, I know they traded away their first round pick, but um, 
Give me a little bit on the Kings draft. I, I, I know they've been like again more towards uh, now, but what did your your thoughts of their King the Kings draft this year? Uh, they've had no no first round picks each of the last two drafts, and so as a result, and picking a little bit obviously later in the draft because they're a playoff team, mm-hmm. um, they've taken the philosophy of taking some chances with their yep. draft picks, um, and I think that's the right philosophy. Uh, you know, why play it safe and maybe get a fourth line guy or a third line guy when you can get those guys elsewhere anywhere right? yeah yeah so <laughs> take a big dudes, swing yeah. um they for and for example their first selection in the second round was a defenseman named Jakob Dvorak six foot five from the Czech Republic um so he's a big strong kid but he's had a lot of injury issues so mm-hmm. there's so there's there's something there that might keep teams away but the Kings are willing to say okay he when he's healthy he's had the ability so we're gonna take a chance keep our fingers crossed he can be healthy and if he has, then maybe we've got a player. Uh, some other guys they've picked have been guys who are maybe came on really late in their careers, right? They've only had a small sample size, but that small sample size has been really good where other teams be like, mm, I'm not really willing to spend a third round pick on a guy who's just had one really good season. But the Kings are saying, well, we'll take a chance on that. Maybe he's now blossomed late and we've turned into, uh, we found a player. And so that's kind of the direction they've gone the last two years because of where they've had to draft and not having the first round pick. And I, I kind of like the philosophy of it. It's taking a big swing. If you make contact, great. If you don't, well, you probably weren't going to get a great player anyway at that spot. Yeah. I do like they did pick uh, Matthew Mania out of the OHL uh, for Love the name. The Love the name. The, I'm, one, the branding is is right there, but uh, yeah. Matthew Mania was the guy I was looking at for the Sharks as a potential pick with their one of their uh, late third, early fourth round picks there, and getting him in the fifth round, I think, is is, is one of those guys where you're going to look back and like when he after he plays 200 NHL games, you're going to be like, how did this guy fall to you in in, uh, in the fifth round? But Matthew Mania, I, I think, it's got a chance to to play NHL games for the Kings uh, uh, down the gonna be a while but yeah just keep an eye on it and if not the branding itself right it's 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 too good uh, it's right perfect. there it's very good so um the offseason we know of course the pair of Lucha trade um what else did the kings do this offseason to kind of get this team ready to try to compete with the edmontons and the vegases and you know eventually the the abs and the rest of the the top the cream of the crop in the the west I mean, we talked about the Pierre-Luc Dubois. We talked about Cam Talbot coming in and David Riddich for the goaltending. Uh, it was huge that they were able to get rid of that Cal Peterson contract in the trade with Philadelphia. And they used that money to re-sign Vladislav Gavrikov, which was something I didn't think they were going to be able to do. Uh, he came over at the trade deadline, fit in really, really well on that second pairing with Matt Roy. So that's really been solidified, and that was a huge move. Uh, they brought in Trevor Lewis, who won two Stanley Cups with the Kings in the past. They really need to shore up their penalty kill. A gritty guy who play on your fourth line, block shots, do that kind of thing. So that's, a, you know, and then there's some nostalgia there as well. But, you know, they had a lot of guys going out the door uh, as far as just the numbers. So Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, Sean Dursey, Gabe Velarde, Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Gupari. So clearly their depth is not what it once was. They can fill those holes for now. But yep. if there's any significant injury issues, there's going to be some problems because that depth just is not there uh, where it once was. So the Kings have to keep their fingers crossed that they stay healthy this year. Cause if not, it could be a real problem. Um, what do you think is the, if I know the Kings are, are 
again, money's tight all around the NHL right now, and there's just not a guys, a lot of guys out there. What do you think is maybe one move they should look to do, or maybe one area maybe to try to shore up a little bit before we we kickstart training camp? I really don't think there's anything they're going to do uh, before they go into camp. I think they're set. Um, they they're they're under the cap. Um, you know, they may be you know the, the with twenty man, twenty two uh, roster for them. Uh, we'll see, but. I think their top six is set. I think their their top two pairings are set. Uh, as far as maybe some camp battles, you know, one of the fourth line winger spots, um, maybe the left side defense on the third pairing, and that's pretty much it. Um, other than that, they're set and they're ready to go. I think. All right, I got to ask about Quentin Byfield, who um, second overall pick, right? And you've seen some of the other guys in that draft. Uh, of course, Tim Sussel's become a superstar already. But the Kings have been really kind of slow with his development. I know he's also had some injury issues. Is this the year we see the, the Byfield breakout I think we've all been waiting for? I don't think so, to be honest with you. I think he's still another year away. Um, mm. And there are uh, there's a very loud contingent of Kings fans that are already ready to cut bait on him wow uh, they, were, they, they were there's there's people that wanted Send him, him involved north i'll take <laughs> yeah there was people that wanted him involved in that uh, trade for pierre-luc dubois keep mm. uh, keep gabe velarde and get rid of quentin byfield um i'm not amongst those people he's he just turned 21 literally just the you know this month turned 21 um i think everybody knew going into his draft year that he was going to be i don't think project is a fair word but he was going to take time yeah, everybody said Tim Stutzla when there was the debate for the Kings. Are you going to take Byfield or Stutzla? It was like, do you want the, the guy who plays center, who is going to take more time to develop, but we think when it's all said and done is going to be a special player, or do you want the guy who's NHL ready now, who's been playing with men now over in Europe and is going to be impactful immediately? And the Kings decided to go with Byfield and the center, and I agreed with it at the time. Now Stutzla has turned out to be a fantastic player. If yep. you redrafted that draft, you're taking him a, a, over Alexi Lafreniere, right, at this point oh, as well? Yeah, he's the first server. I yeah. think it's probably him so, and then, uh, Raymond, I guess, would be the, the number two pick. Yeah, yeah. so I, it's yeah. easy. I, I get why fans are uh, are upset and impatient, but I think people that – look, the Kings are in a good position. They're going to be a playoff team and potentially beyond if things go well, whether Quentin Byfield is an impact player or not. So let's continue to let him develop. He did get time at on the wing on the first line last year. And that top line, Andre Kobitar and Adrian Kempe, played their best hockey of the season when he was there. Now, there's debate whether it was because he was there or just in spite of him being there. <laughs> um, but the facts are the facts. They played their best hockey when he was with them. And he's probably going to start on the top line on the wing again. Eventually, does he move up back to center? I would think so. Once Andre Kobitar decides to, to hang it up, he maybe he's the second center and Pierre-Luc Dubois moves into the, the, the one C. Um, but I'm still I'm still ready to be patient. I still think it's going to take another year. Let's let him be healthy for a full season. And if he's healthy for a full season, and he gets to play on that top line. The numbers will go up. I'm not saying he's going to score 20 goals or 30 goals or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but but at some point, you, he does have to produce numbers wise. It can't just be oh he's doing all the other things. When you when yeah. you get the number two overall pick in the draft, at some point that guy does have to put up numbers. But I still think one more year, and then the next year is the year where I really think he needs to show us something. Yeah, uh, and like you said, the Kings are going to be good with or without uh, Byfeld. And if Byfeld's like, good this year and he kind of takes that step that we've all been waiting for him to take, um, then this team can kind of, I think, really kind of c- compete with the top of, of the the rest of the Pacific here and, like I said, the rest of the Western Conference. So, uh, but yeah, the Byfeld. And then Brent Clark, who uh, I love. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to be outstanding. I'm with you. 
Uh, he, the kid's just smooth. He's so smart. Um, and I hate that he's going to be an LA King for the next like 15 years. How no, excited I, are you guys? I, yeah, I, I love him as well. And I'm really <laughs> excited to see what he can do this, this season. Um, I certainly anticipate him being in the starting lineup on opening night. Uh, there's some debate about that. Uh, because they do have Jordan Spence, who's a good young player as well. Maybe they want to send Brand Clark to the AHL for a little bit, let him get some more seasoning, and then call him up. But I think he's ready to go. I think he's one of those types of players that, I mean, he came up, he had the small sample size at the beginning of the year, and he didn't look out of place. He didn't blow the world away, but he didn't look yeah. overmatched either. Uh, and then he goes and wins a gold with Canada at the World Juniors. He, he gets 60 points in 30 games in the CHL's defenseman. Uh, the key, it's been so long since the Kings have had a really talented offensive defenseman, you know, to, I mean, Drew Doughty can do some things offensively, but he's not a goal scorer, not, you know? No, so yeah. to have a special player on the blue line like him uh, is really exciting. And I, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a very special player. I think he comes in this year and gets the experience, finds out what it's like to be an everyday NHL player. And then in the, in the coming years is when you really are going to see his impact on the roster. Yeah, um, I know the the Pacific's got some defensemen. You know, you got Quinn Hughes. I know the Sharks have nobody right now, but um, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years we're talking about Brent Clark as potentially the best defenseman in the Pacific, at least offensively. Um, and uh, as I've always said, defenses for nerds go score points. Uh, <laughs> the Eric Carlson motto. <laughs> but they've got the Kings got Mikey Anderson to play defense. They don't. They they, can, they need a, some guys that can put it in the net from the blue line. They got plenty of defensive defense. It's so much easier to find a guy who can play state on defense. Go find a guy who can can change the game uh, from the blue line. All right, guys, before we continue with Eddie, we work do our 23-24 preview of the Kings and you know where they end up finishing, what, what makes it a sex, successful season for the Kings and what would be considered a, a bad season for the Kings. I do want to thank you guys for making Locked On Sharks your first listen. Again, probably a part of the Locked On Network where we cover your team every day. And if you want to be an everydayer, all you got to do is just follow along wherever you get podcasts. And, of course, you can subscribe on YouTube as well. What are what's the best case scenario for the 2023 LA Kings and what's the worst case scenario for the Kings this year? Well, I guess worst case scenario would be uh, that there are significant injuries and they don't have the players to plug in those holes. The goaltending doesn't hold up. Uh, we haven't talked about it, but one of the big issues for the Kings going into this offseason is their penalty kill. It was bad last year. It was called out during the season by GM Rob Blake. In the uh, exit interviews, head coach Tom McClellan said it was their offseason project to make that a priority, to make it better. Last year was the power play. They brought in an assistant coach from the Islanders named Jim Hiller, and he completely turned the power play around, and it was great. They didn't make any changes to the staff this year as far as assistants go, so they're going to do it from within, but that's the big thing. If it doesn't get any better, that's an issue. Um, and then if, you know, maybe if Seattle is really for real and the Central is a little bit better than we think, I guess worst case scenario would be that the Kings miss the playoffs and Todd McClellan gets fired sometime during the season. Uh, best case scenario would be Pierre-Luc Dubois is now happy getting paid. He's in a place where he wants to be and he takes it to another level. Cam Talbot holds up in net, returns to the form he had a couple years ago in Minnesota. Uh, the, the team stays healthy and some of the young guys, Arthur Kaliev, Quentin Byfield, Brant Clark, become solid NHL players and we see them get out of the first round and maybe make it to the Stanley cup final. 
God, I could not deal with the king. The Vegas, you with, would, Vegas won. You can deal with the Kings. Uh, back to back, back would be brutal uh, <laughs> from my point of view. Uh, and then plus, I'm not going to have like any exciting hockey to watch. I'm not going to have at least the random Eric Carlson Tuesday night where he puts up like four points on as the Sharks lose. Um, oh, just another uh, first pick of the draft. First pick in the draft. Uh, <laughs> it just that's gonna hold me over. Okay. Um, who do you think is the most important player for the Kings this season? I think I'd have to go Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, just because of what they gave up to get him, you know, moving three pieces off your NHL roster to bring in one guy. Uh, and you know, they you know, Gabe Velarde is a pretty good defensive forward, Alex Iafalo, good defensive forward. So they're not quite as good defensively as a group of forwards as they were. And mm -hmm. Pierre-Luc Dubois is not, you know, a great defensive forward as well. So, um, you know, and they're obviously paying him a significant amount of money. Um, I, I've said at minimum, he's got to be a 30 goal, 60 point guy at minimum. Uh, but if he can do better than that, obviously that would be great. And, you know, he comes with the baggage. I know when I first heard of the rumors about him coming here, I was like, Oh, I don't know about that. And then I kind of looked into it a little bit more and I'm like, well, if he is truly unhappy and a malcontent, his numbers are still good. So it's not really affecting his play. And then, you know, it's like, is do I really want to hold it against him that he got into an argument on the bench with John Tortorella? I mean, if we held that against every player in the league, there'd be a long Everybody list of players, right, for that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like I said, he's getting paid. He's on a team now that's supposedly the best team maybe he's been on in the NHL. If he's not happy now, He's never going to be happy. So. He has access to an airport now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the winters uh, of, of Winnipeg are now a thing of the past. That's for Gabe Velarde and those guys to worry about now. But yes. uh, yeah, I think I think he's probably the most important player as far as a guy. You 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 went out, you kind of put your neck on the line, Rob Blake, to bring him in. There's there's differing opinions on whether uh, you know he's worth it. He's worth what you gave up. He's worth what you're paying for him. So the focus is certainly going to be on him. And I think the good news is he's not being brought in to be the savior. He's being brought yep. in to be a good piece. He's still going to be probably the second line center behind Andre Kopitar. So it's not like it's all on him. The spotlight is on, but we're going to be certainly paying attention to see if he's going to be a difference maker. All right. Uh, we've mentioned some of the young guys, but who do you think is the most impactful young guy uh, on this team? I think it's got to be Brant Clark, but since we talked about him already, let's go to Arthur Kaliev. Um, he's a guy who was a second round pick a few years back. Um, he's got an, a, an elite NHL shot. The issue is, and you probably know this, having had Tom McClellan as a head coach, uh, he you got to play some defense. It can't just be all about the offense. Gabe Velarde found that out when when he was kind of in and out of the lineup a couple of years ago. Um, so Kaliev has got to not be a defensive liability or, or else he's not going to get the minutes. If he does shore up his game defensively and he gets the minutes, he'll play on the second power play unit. And I really think he can fill the numbers that the Kings lost with Gabe Velarde going out the door. I think he can definitely be a 25 goal scorer, you know, 50 point kind of guy. So mm. you know, he's a younger guy, but his shot is really, really good. He's one of those guys you set him up on the right side on the wing on that power play and you just let that shot go. But to get those minutes and get those numbers, he's got to play some defense. So that's going to be a key for him in training camp to be more consistent defensively or else Todd McClellan might look at somebody else in that position. But I think if he gets those minutes, I think he can really be an impactful younger player for the Kings. All right. Where do the Kings finish in the Pacific? Well, I'm not going to pick them to win it because they've never won it. People <laughs> might not know this. 
the LA Kings, an original expansion franchise, have never won a division title. Now, what? Never, never won a division title. Now, at least we got they, those banners hanging up in this. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> would you, would you trade those division banners for the two Stanley Cups the Kings have? The answer, oh, of course, course, is hell yes. So yeah. I'm not going to. I do have, I, I have that nice Presidents Trophy banner I get to see, and then you get lose to the Ducks in the first round. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. So, you know. so I'm not complaining. All right, <laughs> but that's that is crazy to think. You know, when they won the cup in. In 2012, they were the eighth seed. And when they won the cup in 2014, there were six seeds. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, Vegas won the division and they went on to win the cup. So it's, you've got, you know, it doesn't matter. It makes your life easier. Yes. You uh, get, yeah. get in, yeah, that's right. Get in the playoffs. You talked about matchups. So sure. Yeah. Um, so I won't, I won't pick them to win the division. I do think they're definitely top three. I think two, three is going to be very, very tight. I mean, look, top three this past year was, was tight. I mean, the Kings were in that number two spot for a long, long time, yep. uh, then dropped off at the very end. But, I'll be ambitious. I'll say they finished second in the Pacific. All right. So how do you have the Pacific stacked up as we're end of August? I mean, I, I think it is the haves and the have nots, right? It seems yeah. pretty clear. You've got Vegas, Edmonton, LA and Seattle. I, I'm still curious to see them do it again, but I do think they're for real. I don't think it was uh, you know, a complete uh, out of nowhere and they're going to drop back to where they were. And then you've got Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton and San Jose, or excuse me, Anaheim and San Jose, um, you know, Vancouver, maybe Calgary. I don't think so, but you never know, man. Now that Daryl Sutter's gone, um, that's a breath of fresh air. You talk about Coach Watt being unhappy. Just imagine the entire team like that. I think, yeah, yeah. Somewhere Jacob Markstrom is, uh, thanking God. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I think it's, I think they've got the the top four going to get in and the bottom four, maybe, maybe one of them, maybe Vancouver. But uh, yeah, I think there's, like I said, I think there's the, the, the four in and then there's the four out. Yeah, I think Vancouver is the one T. I'm, I'm kind of, I think we're on the same page here. Vancouver is the one team because I think they just have so much talent. At some point, like the talent's got to win there. Um, I know the rest of the organization's a hot mess, but at some point, like uh, Elias Patterson's just going to go like supernova and just destroy the league and, they, and Quinn Hughes is amazing. And, but yeah, although I will say, you know, the whole thing about, Oh, we end the season with a new coach. They did that with Bruce Boudreau and it didn't carry over. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not expecting the Rick Tockett thing to necessarily carry over either. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. They were going to, uh, there's this cycle of just hiring coaches. They start out bad and then they come in, a new coach comes in mid season. They're great. They're like, this is the guy. And then just, I just want to keep seeing it. that would be the funniest uh, thing. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think, I think San Jose is the worst team in the division. Uh, I know I picked them to be the worst team last year. And I, I think Anaheim vastly underperformed. Uh, and I think with a new coach and those, they just, again, they have too much talent on that team at, they're starting yeah. to put together where this guy's got to start doing something at some point, you know, Zegers, we've been kind of waiting for Zegers to have that, that breakout season. I think it's coming here soon. And then, but yeah, the sharks are just going to be a hot mess. So, uh, but yeah, Eddie, you said, Oh, where can the people find you? Uh, obviously they can, uh, follow us at locked on LA Kings, uh, all the usual places, uh, Apple podcasts, YouTube channel as well. Uh, so yeah, be, uh, if you guys ever want to check out the Kings for whatever reason, and, uh, we'd love to have you check us out. All right, Eddie, till next time, buddy. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Eddie about the Kings. Um, the Kings rebuild has been very successful right they've been aggressive in using their pieces and assets to grab 
other things. I wouldn't be surprised if the Sharks, again, we know the Sharks have a lot of depth in their prospect pool. Do you, when do you, I don't think they're going to be as aggressive as the Kings are right now and maybe trading those off, but you know, look at what they've done. They've used some of those pieces to acquire guys who can help them right away. And I think the Kings are, you know, they're, they're ready to start competing. The goaltending worries me though. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they are aggressively looking for goaltending help this uh, trade deadline. Um, So we'll see, kind of see what happens there. It's, Still really funny to me that the Kings are paying uh, less in goaltending than the Sharks are just to have Martin Jones not play for them this season. So, um, yes, I I can't believe it either. So, uh, but that's going to be it for me today. We'll be back next week. We're going to continue our State of the Franchise uh, next week as well, looking at the Ducks. And then we're going to end with the hopefully with Vegas here um, in a couple weeks as well. And, you know, plenty of other good stuff coming up next week as well. Um, so make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts. And of course, you can watch on YouTube as well. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Locked on Sharks. You can follow me on Twitter and threads at my fry hole. And until next week, bye, friends. <laughs>